Thank you, Pastor Ed. It's a joy and blessing uh, for me to be here this morning. I bring greetings to you from the Bible churches in Fiji and also from the saints there at College of Theology and Evangelism, Fiji. It's an honor for me to be here uh, to share a little bit about myself before we uh, actually go through the presentation. I do have a presentation uh, for all of us. We have lived here for five and a half years by God's providence, and I was able to go to seminary at that time. My whole family lives here in the city of Bonapark, and it's just me and my wife uh, that we are serving the Lord back in Fiji. Of all the churches here, this is the fellowship that I've spent, my family has spent the most time with. So it's pretty special uh, when we come back, uh, whenever we come back, and thanks for uh, having me and my family here. I was a Hindu. I was born and raised as a Hindu. Uh, I'm a fourth generation Indian uh, living in the Fiji Islands. And uh, God has been very good and gracious uh, to my family, how he has uh, brought us to himself. So we are serving our risen King, Jesus Christ, in the Fiji Islands. We are able, by God's grace, to serve some 20 island nations where we are based. I'll show you some maps. And the region in which God has placed us is about 40 million people in that region. It's the South Pacific Islands, or another name for that is Oceania region. Now, there is famine in this region. And there is a lot of bad theology, cult groups, different religions. Uh, they have spread themselves out in this region. Where is Fiji? Just in case uh, you don't know, on the map, um, uh, there it is, uh, located 5,500 miles from here. You can get there in a direct flight from Los Angeles. It will take you 10 hours. This is where we come from. It's Fiji Islands, so there are lots of islands. In fact, they say there are about 330 islands altogether. Of those, there are two major islands, and the star that is there is where we come from. Uh, that is the city of Lotoka. There's only two cities. Uh, the capital city is Suva, uh, which is uh, on the bottom over there, uh, the southeast. Um, part of that mainland, we call it Vitilevu, and the other one is Vanualevu. Uh, those are all Fijian names. And uh, we have a population there of about 52,000. Uh, this is what uh, Fiji is famous for. Uh, people love to go there. And uh, this is how it is. Of course, it's renowned for its world-class surfing waves also. Tourists love Fiji. In fact, Fiji is seen as the crossroads of the Pacific, the ultimate tropical paradise. It has a wealth of natural beauty on land and underwater, uh, plus the wealth of friendly people. Sugar also ranks as a major industry. Official languages over there, over there are Fijian, English, and Fiji Hindi. However, while the exotic islands of Fiji are Oceania's most popular destinations, the nation of Fiji has a darker side. So, as this slide shows, we have had military coups over there. The first one that happened was in 1987, and since then we had four coups. Uh, it, it has just changed the, uh, the, the entire nation. People have migrated. People have left the country. Uh, many have uh, gone seeking greener pastures. Also, since it, it is not a very big nation, but in the southern hemisphere, it has the largest Hindu temple. And uh, it's, it's Fiji's most visited uh, Hindu temple. This is the one uh, that is uh, 
in a town called Nandi, that's where our international airport, airport is. So what's the darker side? Tribal tensions uh, between clans have resulted in these four military coups in two decades. Uh, today, Fiji is a democratic nation. Sadly, religious leaders have failed to oppose the coup. I remember in one of the coups, sadly, uh, there was him singing and, and preaching going on in celebration. And these are some of the uh, things that, that really damage the gospel. And, and uh, uh, people use the church and use the Bible for their own means and end. Fiji also has a, a large percentage of poverty. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, when Fiji is advertised uh, for a place to come and visit, and all those pictures that I showed you, uh, people don't know the real Fiji. That represents just 2%, maybe, or 1%. We have never hit the million mark. It has always been less than a million. So right now it stands at 906,784 people over there. That statistics that you see there, Christians 33.33, I pulled that out from the internet. Uh, that is not the true figure. Uh, it's, it's very little. That represents people who go to church on Sunday. Uh, that doesn't represent people who uh, are born again or who, have, who, who can clearly articulate the gospel or who have heard the gospel articulated to them. Uh, the religion of Muslim Islam is on a rise. I think when I did the presentation maybe 20 years ago, I remember the statistics were less than 5%. Uh, so they are on the rise. And not just in Fiji, but uh, throughout the, uh, the Pacific region. Uh, Hindus also make a, a great number. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, I am, uh, I, I come, I know I'm a former Hindu. Uh, then there are also a lot of cults in our country. Uh, you name it. Uh, uh, you know, all the cults that you'll find, they, they find their way into Fiji somehow. Fiji has an interesting story of how Christianity came there. Once known as the Cannibal Isles, because of its ferocious natives, the first missionaries sent by the L London Missionary Society in 1835 were Reverend James Calvert and Reverend John Hunt. Very interesting story about how they brought the gospel to a land which was very dangerous, very, very dangerous. Yet, here is the power of the gospel. Within 50 years of John Hunt's landing, there was not a single person, we are told, in the islands who openly professed the old heathen religion. Today, while Christianity is a religion of many people, the truth of the gospel is exchanged by, and here is the sad thing, liberalism, traditionalism, nationalism, secularism, and syncretism. There could be more isms that I can put over there. And so this is... Uh, the, the sad aspect in the region. The Christianity of the South Pacific is totally in the grips of the World Council of Churches who fund and influence every denomination. With the influence of the World Council of Churches and its accommodation of other faiths, the Christian message has lost its uniqueness. There are 21 liberal theological colleges in our region. They do not accept the authority of the scripture and who uphold culture above the word of God. They have this interesting way of interpreting scripture is they call it Oceania hermeneutics. So as I mentioned to you, it's the Oceania region and these are some of the things they've come up with. What the region needs is men who accept the authority of the Bible and boldly say, thus saith the Lord. So, with that backdrop and with the need, College of Theology and Evangelism Fiji was born. Formerly known as Fiji Bible College, uh, but the Fiji Higher Education Commission got us to change that name. Uh, we, we like the shorter version of it, but it's a long version now. And uh, it started in 1974. And by God's grace, uh, it's still going on. Our headquarters 
It's, uh, it's in a rural setup, uh, about 10 minutes drive from uh, the city of Lotoka. And so that's where our headquarters is. That's where it's always been. In fact, it's a beautiful story of uh, the founder who's still alive, who, who came to our village. I'm actually from this village. I was, I was raised here. And he bought a piece of land and God led him to come and start a Bible college and plant churches. And it happened to be two minutes walk from where I had been raised. And in fact, the testimony for me is it's that the students of the Bible college had come to my home and uh, the friendship they built uh, led me to start to come to Sunday school. And uh, I was loving it. I was doing it for several years. And it was in my high school years that the Lord finally opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. And I gave my life to the Lord first from my family. It was very hard. Uh, I didn't know what was uh, going to happen. Maybe I'll be chased out. Maybe I won't be accepted in the family. Because from my mom's side and dad's side, no one has ever uh, you know, converted. Um, but the Lord took care of everything. Uh, my parents were not hostile to me. Since it's uh, uh, founding in 1974, over 500 graduates are now serving in 15 different countries around the globe. And our mission is to train men, train young men, for life and ministry by building their education on the Word of God. Uh, this is our present faculty. Sorry, this is our present faculty. And as you can see even in the picture, the, the couple that is standing beside uh, me and Ashwin, my, my wife, um, they are the founders of the ministry. They're still uh, with us, serving the Lord. Uh, Dr. Nair is his name and he's 85 years old and he has been the one that God has used uh, to build the work there. What is our call to evangelize nations, to train evangelists, to plant churches, to equip saints? The college is on the mission here, what Paul said to Timothy. So my son, be strong in the grace that Jesus Christ gives. Everything that you have heard me preach in public, you should, you should in turn entrust to reliable men who will be able to pass it on to others. And so building off a faithful men, a training faithful men, 2 Timothy 2.2, is what the college is all about. So as you can see, this is our region. It's the South Pacific Islands, Oceania region. And I know you may not be able to see because uh, uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a wide, uh, widespread, the nations are widespread. But, but if you can pinpoint right in the middle of that, what you are seeing on the screen, that's where Fiji is. So it's what they call the hub of uh, the Pacific. It's, it's right there in the middle. The Lord has been gracious to use the college the Lord has been gracious to use the college and his open doors. And today we have graduates serving those that you see in uh, um, the blue ink. Uh, the, those are nations the Lord has already, uh, th those are nations that we are praying for God to open the door. But the ones in yellow are where our graduates are serving. So we are praying uh, for the Lord to open uh, doors in other nations also. So this is Dr. Nair, Narayan Nair, uh, the founder uh, of the College of Theology and Evangelism Fiji and the Bible Church Movement. Our threefold goal, first preach Christ and Him crucified, equipping indigenous men for the Great Commission and training the teachers to teach others. College of Theology and Events in Fiji um, has several programs. And one of the programs uh, that uh, we have, that we really concentrate on, is our undergraduate program. But we also have graduate program, distant learning, correspondence course, and extension uh, classes. I'll show you some pictures uh, of these programs. Uh, this is our uh, current enrollment. 
you will see over there students in the first, second, third, and fourth year level of studies. We have students from India, uh, students from Tonga, uh, from Solomon Islands, from Vanuatu, and of course, from the region of Fiji. Uh, graduate, we have Master of Arts in Biblical Studies. It's a modular program that we offer. And that's one of the pictures of the graduation. Our graduates are serving in, in, in different parts of the world with different things the Lord has taken them into. Uh, here is a picture of uh, two of them. The gentleman at the top is from Australia. He was serving the Lord and he happened to find out about our Bible college and he came and did some studies with us. And so uh, they're working with inmates. And uh, Fiji has a high level of crime. And so we have graduates serving in th th that field. Uh, we have this gentleman from uh, uh, Vanuatu, uh, which used to be f called New Hebrides. And uh, Richie Bule, uh, the Lord did something very interesting through his life. Uh, he went back and he was so touched by the training uh, in, in Buomboa, where we are, uh, that the Lord pressed upon him to start a small institute. And so he took all of our syllabus and notes, which, which we, our curriculum is in English, and he turned it into his own language, uh, in the Vanuatu language. And he had, as you can see in the picture, uh, a few of his students, and he started teaching them, training them. We also had uh, a privilege of uh, training a man who came from Nepal. Uh, he somehow found us on the internet and he decided to come and study with us. He spent two years with us. He was also with us in our, our Luvu Bible Church and we ended up uh, uh, adding him as a missionary. And so he is uh, doing a wonderful work in the Hima Himalayan mountain regions. It's a picture from our college library. The Lord has been gracious to, to provide books. Of course, we, we welcome more books um, and... Uh, uh, the Lord has been gracious to give us a good library. We also have off-campus classes for those who desire to study the Bible, but they cannot commit themselves to full-time. Uh, so there's the uh, option also for that. And uh, these past few months have been very challenging as we couldn't meet in person, as you know what, what, was going through, what was going on in this world. And so we had to do Zoom classes, and that was also going very well. We also provide Christian workers continuing education. And uh, this is an interdenominational work where we provide good men uh, from the state, especially from people who come from Master Seminary or from IFCA churches. And uh, we give them a one week Bible uh, teaching and we hold a conference for free. And uh, we have men and women come from all different denominations take advantage of that. So that's a picture of that. And even Dr. Richard Vargas, uh, he, he was able to be with us in one of those conferences and he's uh, presenting a certificate to the participant. We have opportunities also to go to uh, different surrounding islands that are there. I remember going to this particular one in 2015 and uh, as I spent time over there, they told me that no one had ever come. Uh, and they, they, these people that you see in the picture, they're all in the ministry. They're all saving in some capacity, but hardly with any sound biblical training. And it was joy to go and uh, uh, at least spend some time with them. And so that's where I was able to go. Uh, it takes 45 minutes by plane to fly over to this island called Tavuni. The work of evangelism. Primarily, we are working amongst Hindus and Muslims. And by God's grace, when the Bible College started in 1974, God had allowed uh, churches uh, to be planted. So the first one was the Otoka Bible Church in 1972. Uh, in association, Dr. Nar was the one who began that ministry, so in conjunction with the Bible College. And then sprung up other churches, and you can see in date order. And the one that is in red is where um, I'm currently the pastor. 
Lufu Bible Church, and that began in 1980. I joined the church in 1985 as a 10-year-old Sunday school kid, and it was in 1992 that I got saved and started to serve the Lord there uh, from uh, 2000 um, onwards. We are also excited about a new church plan. I'm going to share a little bit about that with you. That's written there, Rikidiki Bible Church 2022. So on the map, you can see this is how it is spread out. Uh, we would love to go to all the other remaining towns as, as the Lord leads and provides. Uh, just some few pictures of different fellowship. Just before we came out, uh, we had an opportunity to uh, baptize uh, a number of people in our church. Uh, they, they had to wait almost a year for, for to, to be baptized. And so the date that we had planned, it was just the day the baptism was supposed to happen, a day before the country went into lockdown because of the COVID. And it stayed like that for many, many months. So only f before we could come over, uh, you know, they had lifted up a lot of restrictions, so we were able to uh, go ahead. And uh, this is Joshil here, a young man, 18 years old, uh, also a former Hindu, obeying Christ's command. And it's a picture of those who got baptized. I just want to highlight to you from this picture, uh, there are 13 of those who got baptized, and out of those 13, 10 of them, are Hindu converts to Christianity. Two of them, um, you know, are, have been brought up in Christian homes, and one of them had a Catholic background. So the Lord is working amongst uh, different other religions like Hinduism. We're very excited at this time about a new church plant. So that's the main island, Vitilevu, and so 60 miles north from where we are, we had this young man, Krishnil. He was also a former Hindu. The Lord saved him. He joined the college in 2016. And um, after graduating, the Lord lay in his, in his heart to, to go plant a new church. So he spent a few years with us. And uh, it was, again, just prior to coming this way, uh, on February 6, we did a commissioning service for him and his family. So we're excited about this new prospect. So one of the strengths of our ministry has been youth ministry and children's ministry. As we look at our history of the Bible Church movement, uh, that's where we've put a lot of effort, energy, and uh, the Lord has blessed that. And this is a picture of a women's ministry. We also are involved in literature and counseling ministry. Lots of people have needs. They don't know how to address life problems. As Of course, they are not in biblical sound churches, so... Pastors are not able to help them, so we have a resource center. We have a bookshop also in town, uh, and we also have other literature. We, we have also stacked up a lot of uh, New American Standard Bible that we give out to people, and I very well remember Community Bible Church uh, helped us uh, acquire that at one time. God has been gracious to give us a camping place, a camping ground, uh, we call it the Gospel Retreat Center, which can cater for 100 people at a time. And we are also excited about having youth camps, VBS, and uh, seminars, workshops, conferences. Uh, however, for the last two years, we have not been able to do any of these things because of COVID. Uh, but we are thankful to the Lord for the facility that we have. So God, glory to God for what He has been doing in that part of the region. What God has done through this ministry, I can say that the graduates of our theological college are evangelizing the nations, they are planting churches, some are even teaching in theological colleges and training disciple makers. This is just to show you on the globe uh, where they are all spread out. What's our need? Our need is just like the vision of the man from Macedonia who came to Paul in Troas and said, come over and help us. And uh, that is something, uh, it's a request from us. And many have answered that request. As you can see, one of the pictures over here, this is Dr. Paul Felix. 
and Marlene from Los Angeles Bible Training School. Uh, Dr. Felix was also my New Testament professor, and they have been able to come out several times to, to help us with Bible conferences. Um, Brother Ed and Brother Scott has also been able to come out once, and we hope that they can come out some more uh, to give us some help. And, 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 and likewise, uh, you all over here uh, could do a short-term mission trip. Uh, we, we trust the Lord for our needs. Uh, this is something, this is how we operate. We don't do fundraising. Uh, our college offers scholarship all levels of training. So we don't charge the students. They stay for free on the campus. We feed them. We train them. Uh, this is how the Lord led our founder to trust the Lord about all this, as, as George Muller principal, some of you would know. And the college is operated that way. So we basically operate on gifts and donations. And uh, you pray for us, for our needs, that God will uh, bring people uh, who would pray uh, with us and who would like to partner with the work. As I said earlier, to come, we need men and women who can come and help in a short-term mission of teaching, preaching, and building. Our buildings are deteriorating. As you can see, uh, we are not very far from the ocean, so the salt water has had a toll on our roofs, and it's all rusting. All the roofs are rusting. And someone will ask us, why don't you fix it? Someone may ask, why don't you fix it? <laughs> well, we have to prioritize. As I said, we live on gifts and donations. So it's more important for us to get textbooks, for more important for us to put the food on the table for the students, more important for us to pay those electricity bills. And so we had to let go something so that we can be about the main things. And uh, so that's, that's a present need that we have. And this is one of the student dormitories. The, the previous picture I showed you, this is the lecture room. Um, so these are some of the needs that we have. We work through a mission agency in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's our Fiji address. I can make this available later. Now, if you would like to know about what God had done in this part of the region through the Bible College and the Bible Church Movement, there's a book out there called Beyond All Reason, God at Work in the South Pacific, written by Kathy Grace. It's on Amazon. So if you're interested to learn a little bit more, uh, about the hand of the Lord in, in the Fiji Islands, you could pick up this book and read. So thank you for your time to view this presentation. As I stand here, uh, it is a pretty special day for me because today actually marks 10 years from the time when Bible Church of Bona Park commissioned our family uh, to return to Fiji for mission work. And it's 10 years today, and the Lord has graciously opened the door uh, for us to be here at this time. We didn't actually plan this trip. Uh, we didn't have it on the calendar to come out here. There's a supporting church that we have. Uh, has doing a missions conference for a week right after the Shepherds Conference. And they, they, are, we are, they are only supporting missionaries, so they wanted us to be in that missions conference. Uh, so they were very kind to sponsor our trip and let us come here. So while we came here, we thought we could, I could go to the Shepherds Conference. I could uh, report and uh, you know, give reports to other supporting churches. And so that's why we are here. Uh, the Lord has been again gracious and kind to open the door and provide for us to come here. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for all that you do. You said, I will build my church. This is exactly what you are doing. We are just instruments in your hands. We are vessels. We are your servants. You are our great God. Worthy of our highest praises. Worthy of our total belief in you. Help us now, Lord, as we transition from having watched what you have done in the Oceania region, back to your truth, back to your word, from where you speak to us. Give us listening ears and help me to communicate your truth clearly. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do have any questions, uh, I would love to uh, answer that during our uh, fellowship time. But please uh, pick up your Bibles and turn to Psalm 92. 
turn to Psalm 92. Uh, the remainder of the time we will glean through this passage. Uh, I will read the whole passage, but uh, uh, we will not be able to look at all the truths that are there, but uh, definitely whatever the Lord has for us. Psalm 92. I've titled this message as a climatic celebration. I'm sorry about that. I need to switch that off. All right. Okay. I have titled this sermon as a climatic celebration of the mighty acts of God. Psalm 92. In this psalm, the unknown writer, we don't know who it was, praise God for the goodness of his acts and the righteousness of his character. Let's read this psalm. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With a ten-string lute and with a harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might, that they might be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, you are on high forever. For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil, and my eyes has looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. December 1st, 2021 was a greatly anticipated day in Fiji's calendar. After nearly two years of being closed to the outside world, the Fijians were ready to open borders for international travel. There was a three-day quarantine, mandatory quarantine for anyone coming in, and there were expensive COVID tests. But these two did not deter people from visiting. As our family was traveling, from Fiji to States, we were told about additional requirements, signing uh, documents, we had to get our COVID tests done, and we also experienced an hour extra at the airport doing all those things. But thankfully, there were, there were not many travelers that day, so things were quite manageable for us. We live in a rapid changing world. For some people it is not easy to cope. For some it is hard, even very hard to cope. Navigating life and ministry with new challenges and the new normal have not been easy. When the Fiji Higher Education Commission sent us a notification said you cannot do classroom learning. You have to stop all that. So we went on to Zoom. And we were, still, we were excited, at least we could, we could continue uh, teaching that way. After one week of lectures, I was personally feeling very fatigued. Just sitting be, be, be behind the screen and just looking at the screen from one lecture into next, from the next to the third lecture. And so not only that, but my eyes uh, were also so you know, you have very good internet over here. We don't. 
And so, you know, the, 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 you, the students would drop out. And I would, my whole Zoom will just shut out because the net internet connection failed, you know. These were challenges, difficulties. And I'm sure if I would give you an opportunity to fill in the blank, you can share your story, how these few months has been. Yet Christians must be convinced that God equips us for such seasons. His precious word, which he has founded forever, Psalm 119, 152, is sufficient for the day and for the unknown future. Here Psalm 92 is filled with praise for the mighty acts of God. You know, which this world in which we live in its foolishness fails to understand. The goodness of God preserves and blesses the lives of believers in many amazing ways. Unbelievers may flourish for a while, and, and that is something we read in Psalm 92. But it's not the same. Ultimately, the righteousness of God will judge them and give eternal victory to his faithful people. Psalm 92 portrays a clear message. And what is that clear message? That Almighty God blesses and preserves the righteous so that they will praise Him for His powerful and righteous works. Almighty God blesses and preserves the righteous so that they will praise Him for His powerful and righteous works. And you know what that includes? That includes the destruction of the wicked according to Psalm 92. And that includes the exaltation of the righteous. Psalms 90, 91, and 92 present valuable truths and explanations. It's like a cluster of Psalm. Of course, we are in 92 this morning. But they present valuable truths and explanations that teach a believer how to live and what to expect in the pilgrim's way. There is nothing in the text that indicates the time of the composition or the identity of the author. Dr. Bill Berrick provides a helpful three-part outline. He was my Hebrew professor at the Master's Seminary. So I'm borrowing his outline. He provides a helpful three-part outline of this psalm. Of course, we will not be able to expound all of and look at all of those, but I'll give you those three points. The first one is in verses 1 to 3, the sounds of praise. The sounds of praise. Verses 4 to 9 capture the show of power. The show of power. In the last segment there, verses 10 to 15, the satisfaction of protection. The satisfaction of protection. And all those three things that I've mentioned to you meant a world to the psalmist. And there are lots of wonderful truths there that are also very applicable to us this morning. Psalm 92 is a pledge to praise for the Lord's goodness. Isn't it interesting how we begin our time of worship? We sing. We praise Him. And this psalm says, how does it begin? It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Here is a psalm of thanksgiving and praise to God specifically celebrating the blessing of the Sabbath institution in Israel. The first point that I have here, the sounds of praise. It is good, the psalmist says, to give thanks. Meaning it is appropriate. That word good over there, I mean, it's appropriate. It's the pleasant thing to do. It's, the, it's intrinsically right and personally satisfying. 
The phrase, it is good, reminds us of God's verdict on his creation found in Genesis. And if you read Genesis chapter 1, after his great work on each day, what did he say? What did God say? Seven times in verses 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and 31 of Genesis 1, do we find this word good present there. By good, the psalmist meant that it is fitting because of the great praiseworthy things God has done. These psalms here, 19, 91, and 92, lead the worshiper from a meditation on the briefness of life, and that's Psalm 90, briefness of life, a call for wisdom, Psalm 91, and where we are today to a climatic celebration of divine deliverance. These are fitting topics of praise. The psalmist says in verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. He is the subject of the praise. And then he goes on to say, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. The subject of our praise is none other than our great God. The appropriate praise goes only to the one against whom there is no other greater or higher God. Spurgeon had an interesting way of putting this. He said that praise of God is good ethically, for it is the Lord's right, emotionally, for it is pleasant to the heart, and practically, for it leads others to render the same homage. The people are called to give thanks and make music to God and to tell of God's steadfast love. The Hebrew word used over there is chesed, to, to, to tell of his steadfast love and faithfulness. And even if you, when you take that concept of God's faithfulness, and you keep that in mind and you read the books of the Old Testament, and you will meet this God, and he lives up to that name. And so verse 2, the psalmist will say, I will declare your loving kindness. And that's that word, cursed love. In the morning, and your faithfulness by night. The two words over there, loving kindness and faithfulness, these are the attributes, character of God, nature of God that Israel has depended upon. And God didn't disappoint them. God rescued them from Egypt. God was faithful to his word. He told the people, I will bring you out. And he did. But even with all those miracles, if you see Psalm 89, 46, such is the heart of man, the psalmist in Psalm 89, 46 will question God. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? And even... Even with that, in the backdrop of those, when you come to Psalm 90, 91, 92, all those things are discarded. This is a faithful God. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. Life is restored, as you would read Psalm 90, 91, 92. And instead of questioning the absence of God's love and faithfulness, these attributes, and so they're mentioned here in verse 2, these attributes, your loving kindness, your faithfulness, are to be lifted up in thanksgiving and sung. The merrimism here, using the word in the morning and every night, refers to a round-the-clock fashion. So when it says to declare loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night, that morning and night has the idea of round-the-clock fashion praise to this God. It could also mean whenever there is motivation and opportunity to do so, do it, regardless of the time of the day or the night. The psalmist praise includes both lyric and instrumentation. He says it is good to praise him with musical accompaniment. Look at verse 3. For you, O Lord, have made, uh, sorry, verse 3, with a ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. It is good to praise him with musical accompaniment. 
It seems that God clearly has an ear for beauty. To give thanks to God is but a small return for the great benefits He daily loads us. So with these truths, we must be careful not to neglect that which is our sacred duty, that which is our privilege. We must be careful not to neglect or despise. The day should begin with praise and no hour is too late for praise. No matter how eventful our day may have been, we must have a heart overflowing with gratitude and acknowledging divine faithfulness. Let's not forget that the Lord is pleased with the praise of his people. So is your Sunday a trial or a treat? Is it a delight or a dreadful duty? If you find yourself wearing a spirit of heaviness, try on a garment of praise. I will remind you the words of that hymn, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet your tribute bring. Ransom, healed, restored, forgiven. Evermore his praises ring. Worshipping God is a glorious splendid, delightful, and most reasonable thing to do. And same thought is captured by the Apostle Paul when you're going to the book of Romans. With all the wonderful theology that he, he, he shares, he develops from chapters 1 to 11, then when he comes to chapter 12, of all the things he has seen, on the person of God and the walk of God and, and what God is about, what, is, what does he say? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. What wonderful provision for God's people to externally celebrate the mighty acts of God. Don't take this gathering a random exercise. Something very special happens when God's people meet this way. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Very quickly, I look at the next section over there, which is the show of power, verses 4 to 9. The psalmist declares, how great are your works, O Lord. The exclamation there, how great, that he uses in verse 5. You know, in verse 4 he says, for you, O Lord, have made me glad. That's the emotion there by what you have done. The emotion, you have made me glad. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. That's the expression, I will sing because of the joy. And then he says, how great are your works, O Lord. And that's built the underpinning thing over there is how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. How great is intended to say, say that God's deeds are breathtaking. You know, though his work or works are not specified in this passage, the psalmist adores the Lord as far exalted above the wisest man who ever lived. May such infinite knowledge of God fill us with amazement. And he says, your thoughts are very deep. You know, that refers to God's moral design of the world as outlined in verses 6 to 15. The psalmist is making a point that every thought of God is planned action. Every thought of God is planned action. And to say that God's plans are deep is simply to say that they are too profound for our understanding. Here lies the difference between God and his human creature. We can... Neither penetrate the mind of God nor fully comprehend the acts of his love. But there is more to this psalm. Having said a great deal about the value, reasons for, and methods for, of worshipping, the psalm next introduces a contrast. The case of those who, unlike the psalmist, do not praise God. Verses 6 to 9 talks about them. And so Psalm 92 also teaches an important truth that God allows the wicked to prosper temporarily. And one may ask, why? 
they are wicked why would this god allow them to prosper temporarily well the answer for that is so that he might re- might reveal his justice there are two troubling things about the wicked first that they are described as brutish and senseless the word senseless expresses like animal like behavior you know an animal shows no perception or analytical ability so the fool has no common sense he begins and ends with himself without any respect for god the second troubling thing about the wicked over here or something that we learn about them is that the word the second word stupid is a common word for fool that indicates stubbornness and spiritual insensitivity even though one may claim intelligence sadly he cannot see the greatness of god god nor the littleness of man even when he increases in power and prestige you know what he is according to psalm 90 and even 92 he is but grass It's interesting in verse 7 grass is a picture of vibrant life as in psalm 72:16 but in god's time the wicked will sprout like grass according to psalm 92 they will wither as they are destroyed god's fitting evaluation of the wicked indicate that they never penetrate deeper than the surface appearance of life and when the wicked are destroyed forever god demonstrates that wickedness does not pay off The good news is that by faith the righteous can take the long view. And that should be something that should encourage us. We are those who can take the long view and trust this God. Trust this Lord to make things right that today may seem unjust. In contrast to the wicked, the psalmist leads the people of God in a response of faith. There's more to this psalm but for another day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. We have a God who is most worthy of our highest praise. He is worthy of our faith. Trust him. He will not disappoint you. He has never gone against his promises or he never runs back away his faithful one let us pray gracious father we thank you that there is indeed like isaiah said no one like you thank you god for that which you reveal to us from your word when we go through life's turmoil thank you that your word and truth gives perspective I pray Lord that you'll have your way in our own lives as whatever challenges we may be facing that you encourage and strengthen us from your revealed truth. I ask this Lord for your glory and for our good. Amen.